Welcome everybody once again to the Music History Podcast. Today we're talking about gospel. Before we do that, we'll get the uh, shameless self-promoting out of the way. Don't forget, Music History Podcasts, plural, with the S, dot com, is the website to go to uh, for all of the latest information about Season 1 and uh, to submit your request for Season 2, Season 3, and so on. You can also follow us on Twitter at Music History Pod, all one word there. And then you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook for Music History Podcast information. Again, just at Chris Shaman, all one word there. So with that said, let's talk gospel music. You know, in our first podcast, we talked about Robert Johnson and the legend of his deal with the devil. And we also talked about how all of rock and roll is kind of clouded with this myth of being evil music. Uh, But the fact about rock and roll in the United States is it was heavily influenced by gospel music. Even today, gospel and rock uh, intersect pretty often. If you don't believe me, uh, just think back to 2013 uh, when the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs released a single called Sacrilege that featured the gospel choir uh, Broadway Inspirational Voices. That's just one of many examples of how gospel and modern music continue to be linked. Uh, Dockery Farms in Mississippi, widely credited as the birthplace of modern music and pop staples of the Staples singer, he visited there quite often. So from his time there, learning from Sun House, Charlie Patton, Robert Johnson, gospel and popular music have been linked at the hip. So to tell us a little bit more about how gospel and modern music have developed side by side, I'm happy to welcome Tim Dodge, who's a librarian at Auburn University, Uh, No coincidence, I'm sure. It's in the heart of the Bible Belt. Tim, thanks for uh, giving us some of your time today. Uh, Sure, yeah, I'd I'd be happy to to discuss this a little bit. If you have specific questions, feel free to ask them. Otherwise, I could maybe uh, tell tell you you and the audience a little bit about uh, what I see as connections between gospel music and uh, rock and roll, rhythm and blues. Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about first, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, So when we talk about gospel music, we're really talking about slave music, is that correct? Well, it, you might say it originated uh, largely through spirituals sung by uh, African-American slaves, yes, but uh, there's, it, there's a little bit more to it than that as well. Essentially, in the uh, late 19th century, both uh, African-American and white uh, you know, Christians, uh, many of them were starting to seek, you might say, a more immediate, uh, joyous, meaningful interpretation of, of religion and also uh, the music that accompanied it. So there were, there were various movements uh, you know, Protestant, within Protestantism, including holiness, so the holiness movement. And again, I'm compressing a lot of details here, but right. what this uh, you might say culminated in was the establishment of Pentecostalism, in what's called the Azusa, A-Z-U-S-A, Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, 1906. It lasted for something like two or three years. Um, what was really notable about this, among other things, was it was an interracial movement, although largely uh, led by African Americans, but there were plenty of white and other participants in it, and also the music, the music, there's, there's commentary, uh, you know, because I did research for a, a book I published with Lexington Books in 2013, Arizona Drains, Gospel Music Pioneer, uh, that uh, the, the music was a combination of, you might say, traditional Protestant hymns and spirituals, of course, African American spirituals, but... This is where Pentecostalism was a little bit more open than uh, some of the other more conservative forms of Christianity at the time was the use of instruments and the use of popular music styles such as blues and ragtime, incorporating those stylistic elements into 
gospel itself, and it wasn't yet called gospel. I, again, I'm, I'm compressing a lot of details, but it was, right. this is, you might say, where it really kind of gets starts the feeling of what we nowadays would recognize as gospel music, the, the liveliness, the beautiful vocal harmonies, uh, the, in many cases, blues-based type melodies, and the use of piano and, and other instruments. And uh, really, it's, it's uh, the Reverend, uh, well, he, he was Reverend later on, but uh, uh, Thomas Dorsey, um, otherwise known as George Tom when he was in the blues world, he basically is one of, you might say, who kind of commercialized gospel in the 30s and uh, actively incorporated blues-type elements in, into the, the music. Um, I know I'm probably jumping ahead by several decades all at once <laughs> yeah. there. Um, but uh, that, that's, you might say, in a very brief nutshell, some of the origins of where gospel music, again, with an emphasis on the African-American contribution, but by no means is it the only uh, part of the story uh, where gospel music is coming from. That's very interesting. You know, I have never been a religious person, but I dated a girl when I was a teenager who was Pentecostal. And I mean, that was like another world to me. But even today, they still like to brag about, you know, the, the music being a part of church. So that's just that's it's very interesting to me. But so I've always been kind of skeptical of the association between gospel and rock because I thought that gospel influenced more country music like Johnny Cash and and then Johnny Cash influenced more rock and roll. So I guess the point that I, I'm making, and, and it sounds like I'm making it very incorrectly, is uh, gospel more was a secondary influencer or influencer by association of rock. Well, it, yeah, I, I mean, it, it did feed in, shall we say, uh, to uh, what became rock and roll. I mean, I've, again, uh, kind of in a semi-informal manner, but, but I've, I've identified, you might say, some you might say, uh, music, musical stylistic elements of gospel music. And yes, you might say this goes back and forth, but, you know, gospel itself sometimes was influenced by outside music as well. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to leave off at all the, the uh, relationship to country music. And then there's what's called Southern gospel, which is, you know, white uh, uh, country music, not country, but gospel music that is, it can apply to the, the world of country, but it also has a lot of the, the, the uh, vocal harmonies uh, that, that, you know, could be either African-American or white in, in terms of uh, the, the singing style and the use of boogie piano. Uh, great groups like later on in the 40s, uh, Hovey Lister and the, and the Statesman Quartet, for instance, um, and certainly the Blackwood Brothers, who also were a big influence on Elvis, among other people. Um, but uh, by getting back to the stylistic elements, uh, I'll, I'll just mention them, and then if you'd like, I can expand upon them a little bit if you'd like. Sure. Uh, I'd call it a, an element of joyous abandon, the use of a falsetto singing voice, the scream, you might have <laughs> described it that way, the scream, the use of a bass voice in a particular way, boogie-woogie piano, and then also hot guitar playing. Those are elements that you find in certainly uh, Pentecostal, African-American Pentecostal-style gospel music. And it, it really got the name gospel in the 30s onwards. Um, and this, this, you know, I find that these, these elements are... You definitely will find them sometimes first, at least in terms of recorded music in, in gospel music, and then definitely later on as in, in, the 40s move into the 50s uh, in rhythm and blues and, and what's now known as rock and roll, too. 
Well, I like the, uh, you know, alternative rock bands. And uh, when you said screaming, the first thing I thought of was Kurt Cobain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, so can you give us some examples of maybe how those those styles that you just mentioned are uh, popular music as opposed to gospel? Uh, one of the, the most famous would be Little Richard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, right there. <laughs> he would give a scream at almost at the start of every uh, saxophone solo, at least in, the, in this heyday, 1955 to 57 recordings. Um, but also James Brown. Right. Uh, you know, uh, he, he did a lot. Um, those are ones that they come to mind right off uh, um, in, in terms of, you might say, secular music, rock and roll, rhythm and blues, uh, even, well, certainly soul uh, of the 60s and 70s. Uh, you, you had, you know, Wilson Pickett, for instance. He started out, actually, as, as a gospel singer with a group called the Violineers, um, among other things. Uh, those are just some ones that come to, to, to the, uh, you know, off the, off the cuff, off, you know, the top of my head. Yeah, the um, interesting thing, I think, about uh, what you just mentioned there about Wilson Pickett is you've got some artists who started in the pop realm who then transitioned to gospel. Uh, yeah, 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 there, there would be some of that, too. Or some have gone back and forth, actually, as well. Right, right. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of Aretha Franklin, for instance. You yeah, know, exactly. she, she started out as gospel. She didn't do much screaming. Uh, she was a no. smoother <laughs> singer, but uh, uh, but she started out in gospel, then definitely moved into soul for several decades. And now, in recent years, she's been much more back in gospel again. Well, uh, you know, those are really the only questions that I had. I'm, I'm kind of curious as, as to what I'm leaving out because I'm so uninformed about this topic. You know, when I mentioned about the Joyce Band, and that's kind of that relates to the scream in a way, but it, but it's just a, a feeling you might say of transcendence and excitement. It doesn't have to be religious, although that often is you might say a deliberate element of uh, you know Pentecostal uh, services, music services. Is that they try to get people into a transcendent state. You know, yeah, so you know right. you're here communicating with God, shall we say, you know, the holy dancing and speaking in tongues and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, in, in regard to, uh, you know, uh, recorded music, uh, and again, uh, coming from the, the, the world of gospel at first, at least, um, what, one, an early example I would uh, can think of would be uh, a man who's relatively obscure but named Oscar, uh, El, I mean, Elder Oscar Staniels. There we go. Uh, uh, no, not Staniels. I'm sorry. Elder Oscar Sanders got his name there. I'm sorry. Uh, for 1934, he had a recording that, to me, as far as I'm concerned, it's a live recording uh, called "Everybody Will Be Happy Over There." Um, much a little bit later on, again to accelerate things, uh, uh, in the 1940s, there's a fantastic release, 1948, uh, called uh, "The Tree of Life Is uh, Waiting for Me" by Prophet Powers and the Holy Mount Singers, with a woman named Sister Birch, B-I-R-C-H, Sister Birch on lead. I mean, this is just absolutely frenzied, wonderful music, whether or not, you know, you're, you're religiously inclined. It, and I would say, you know, it's fully as exciting as anything from, from the, the secular world of rock and roll or rhythm and blues later on. Uh, falsetto voice, uh, just a, a couple of quick examples. You know, uh, it's not unique, of course. I mean, even in opera and other things, you might have falsetto voice, but... Uh, this particular use of falsetto voice in, in African-American gospel, uh, you know, male singer singing that, that high-pinched voice. And one quick good example is a man who's, who lived to be in his 90s named Reverend Claude Jeter. He had a group called the Swan Silvertones, and uh, he made a number of wonderful recordings in the 50s and early 60s. And possibly the best example, in my opinion, is it's a beautiful slow song called Shine On Me, where he takes the lead on that, and it's just incredible. Well, 
in the, in the secular world, it's easily transferable. Uh, just one off-the-cuff example from the world of doo-wop uh, vocal groups, uh, there's a group in New York City called the Jesters, and uh, Lenny McKay was the lead singer. He employed the falsetto voice in almost every one of his uh, doo-wop vocal group recordings, including songs like The Plea, uh, uh, P-L-E-A. I've already mentioned a little bit about the scream, <laughs> right. and, and and from gospel that that shows up early with uh, people like uh, the uh, Five Blind Boys of Mississippi. Rev- I mean, not Reverend, but uh, Archie Brownlee, the the lead singer. Um, and actually, with a female group, the Davis Sisters, uh, uh, several of their songs, especially one that just has a simple title, Jesus, just the word Jesus, the name Jesus, but from 1952, you talk about screaming. <laughs> um, and then also, the bass voice, uh, that's kind of like you might say, uh, you know, what you often hear in a lot of the, the, the doo wop recordings. Well, that shows up uh, pretty early, actually, in, in uh, uh, you know, the world of gospel. There's a group called the Heavenly Gospel Singers, male group, uh, from the mid-30s, and and uh, I can't right now come up with the name of the song, but uh, they they did some uh, really great stuff where the the vocal the ba- the bass vocalist uh, essentially sounds as if he's doing doo-wop about 20 years early. <laughs> Interesting. You and, know. And then, oh sorry, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Just I'll just very quickly mention a little bit about boogie woogie piano and, and hot guitar, and then. I'll let you, you know, take over. <laughs> uh, you know, Boogie Woogie Piano Playing, of course, uh, actually been in the 20s, uh, but uh, in terms of, uh, you know, in, in, in secular music, but it definitely was a, a fully a part of, uh, of uh, up-tempo gospel music. And uh, just a, a couple of quick examples. Uh, the, she, the singer was relatively obscure. Rosa Shaw was her name, but she had her song in 1952 called On the Highway, and whoever's doing the Boogie Woogie Piano, that is, I mean, they are... They are fully as exciting as anything that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, for instance, would, 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 would have been doing. And uh, a white group, uh, the Blue Ridge Quartet, 1950, uh, from Spartanburg, South Carolina, they had, another, they had a song called Hold On Brother, which also incorporates wonderful uh, boogie piano. And then very briefly about hot guitar, um, you know, everybody thinks about you know, Chuck Berry uh, in, in the rock and roll world. Sure, was yeah. Excellent. excellent uh, but, uh, you know, 10 or more years before him, there was Cicero Zeta Tharp, uh, oh, who was yeah. a great vocalist and amazing guitarist. And just, just to name one of her, her fantastic records from that era, 1947, Up Above My Head, I Hear Music Everywhere. Wow. <laughs> and then, yeah, Sister, uh, uh, Sister Rosetta comes up quite frequently in these podcasts, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, because she really was excellent. I mean, also as a singer. I mean, I'm not even right. talking about her singing. Mm-hmm. Then there's, uh, just I'll mention a couple of quick other examples. There's a Reverend Anderson Johnson uh, who, who made a series of incredibly distorted electric guitar uh, solos along the singing, 1952-53, um, such as God Don't Like It was one of his. I mean, this is this is fully as distorted as anything that uh, later on that uh, Jimi Hendrix was doing, for instance. Um, then there's also the Reverend Utah Smith, like the state, U-T-A-H, Reverend Utah Smith, uh, who, who is an amazing electric guitarist as well as a singer, and one of his more no- noteworthy recordings is also from 1953, Two Wings. Uh, these are just a few quick examples I'm, I'm sort of like throwing out there, but uh, this, is, this is what I would consider elements that later on showed up for sure in, in rock and roll rhythm and blues. Yeah. yeah, and continue today. You know, while you were rattling yeah. all of those off, <gasps> I was thinking, oh, yeah, there's, that's that's Whitney Houston, that's Mariah Carey, that's Boys to right. Men, that's, you know, even even Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, some hardcore oh, yeah. rappers are influenced by this. So it, it's very interesting. You know, I, I kind of, 
was a little weary of this topic, a little intimidated by this topic, but uh, you definitely brought me over, Tim. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I didn't quite know what direction we were going to go in, but I do yeah. appreciate you kind of guiding the ship here for us. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't mean to imply that uh, these elements have, you know, were died out, say, right. in circa 1960 or 65. Like, no, they're, they're still going in a, you might say, kind of a modified, different form, but they're still around, as as you indicate. Yes, oh, by, by no means has, has, has uh, this ended. <laughs> right. Well, Tim Dodge, we really appreciate you giving us some of your time and insight. You know, is, is there anywhere that people can go online if they want to, because like you said, this is tip of the iceberg stuff that we're doing here. You know, is there anywhere online that you recommend or any books that you recommend people check out? Well, I'll tell you, there, there is, uh, if, if, if you're more interested really in the, the vocal group aspect of it, which does touch in uh, certainly to the gospel you know, vocal harmonies now, uh, there, there's, off the, off the top of my head, there's a, uh, a site, has, it's kind of a funny informal name, it's called Unka Marvey, U-N-C-A-M-A-R-V-E-Y, Unka Marvey, uh, he, he's uh, a, a, a man who's been writing, actually, a published author about uh, you know vocal groups and rhythm and blues uh, interviews, really, he's been writing since for the mid-60s onwards, and he has a, he, I, I guess you call it podcasts uh, in terms of his radio show. He has a weekly radio show uh, that, that uh, it's not done, I mean, he mounts the, 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 the broadcast. He's not doing it in live time on the air or through the Internet, I should say, <laughs> rather than on the air. Uh, but that's, that's one in terms of the vocal group aspect. Um, and certainly uh, in, in, in terms of books, I, I would suggest uh, just authors that come to my mind who have written some fantastic There's Peter Goralnik, G-U-R-A-L-N-I-C-K. He's like a cultural commentator, but he's, he's written, among other things, a fantastic biography of Sam Cooke, for instance, who was in both worlds, right. started out as a gospel singer, then went to uh, you know, pop and soul, and, you know, unfortunately his career is cut short but, uh, by a, an early death. But uh, uh, so Peter Goralnik, um, and, oh, my goodness, uh, potentially there, there's really dozens out there. I'll just maybe mention one or two more. Uh, there's a man named Rick Coleman who uh, published a book about Fats Domino, uh, the only in-depth biography of the late Fats Domino, and it's, it has a lot of fascinating insights uh, into it about uh, you know the importance of, of Domino. Uh, you know everybody might know him from Blueberry Hill. There's so much more to Fats Domino than, than that one song. <laughs> um, so that's kind of again uh, without really having thought about it in great depth uh, off the top of my head some of the, the names that I would suggest. Well, there you go, folks. Couple options for you, Tim. I want to thank you once again. Really appreciate your insight. It was uh, a fun topic for me that I was previously intimidated by, but I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate the interview, and uh, I, I hope the listeners will find this to be of interest. And yeah, yes. I think they will, Tim. And thanks again, folks. Don't forget musichistorypodcast.com. You can also go online on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play. Find us on Twitter at musichistorypod, all one word, at musichistorypod. Again, on Twitter and at Chris Scheman on Facebook and social media. Be sure to check out the rest of Season 1. Come on back for Season 2 as well.